It's one minute past eight. You're listening to The Modern Conservative on iHeartRadio. Well, last week, US President Joe Biden ramped up hysteria and demand to act on climate change. The president said during a Zoom meeting that climate change was the existential crisis of our times and that the signs are unmistakable and the science is undeniable. Here to talk to me about this is Washington, D.C. correspondent for the Australian newspaper, Adam Crichton, who recently wrote a story titled, Is Climate Hysteria the Calm Before the Storm? Adam, thanks for coming on the program. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. So President Biden says the science is undeniable, yet a former chief scientist in the Obama-Biden administration seems to be publicly contradicting this. Yeah, look, it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, we had the summit in Washington, of course, digital summit a couple of weeks ago, and the language was was almost hysterical from various world leaders about the urgency of slashing emissions. You know, we apparently needed to go much, much harder and faster than was agreed just five years ago in Paris. Uh, There was extraordinary pressure on the Australian government to do more. Uh, And then this, about the same time, this book uh, was released just, just last week in fact, by by Steve Coonan, a former scientist in the Obama administration uh, with impeccable credentials. It's quite a short book, actually, and I really encourage all of your viewers to to go and read it. It's it's very well written. And he's basically saying, look, you know, the temperature is is increasing. The world has been warming, but the science is very, very far from settled. And so people really need to think carefully before they sign up to these policies, which will have uh, very drastic costs. especially for, you know, for the poorer end of the income distribution, you know, the, the bureaucrats and the academics and so forth, mm. you know, they're fine. But the, the costs of this, you know, very dramatic change of mainly the energy supplies of our economies will, you know, will have huge repercussions for you know, cost of living and for jobs. It will. And look, I was always under the impression, probably from eighth grade science, that the intrinsic nature of the scientific method was that the science actually is never settled. Look, that's exactly right. And look, I'm no scientist either, but frankly, I've just been gobsmacked at the number of journalists that that just believe this phrase about the science being settled, not just in climate change, but also COVID as well, pretty much in, you know, any aspect. I mean, the science, as you say, is never settled. I mean, science is a method. It's a way of, I mean, it's a way of thinking. It's a mode of inquiry. And, you know, a hypothesis is only good until it's refuted. And, you know, it only takes one person to do that. So, you know, there's no such thing as democracy in science, I'm afraid. Um, you know, one person can be right and, you know, everyone else can be wrong. Uh, so it's certainly not settled. And, and look, in, in Steve Coonan's, uh, you know, what I thought was interesting about, about the Coonan book is is vast chunks of it is just reading out of the latest IPCC report pretty much. He just says, look, if you read the actual report, it actually itself casts a lot of doubt on some of the statements that we see all the time in the media. And, you know, I'm just so disappointed that so many journalists don't really, you know, look very closely at the source documents even. Uh, and they just you take for granted what, what your bureaucrats and governments say, when of course they have an ax to grind. They have a, you know, they have incentives here. You know, most climate scientists have an incentive for this to be right, you know, to justify their That's life's right. work. You know, it gives them a purpose in life. There's nothing wrong with that. We all want purpose in our life. but. You know, it's it's reasonable to assume from first principles that anyone working in this field wants this to be true. You know, they want to have some policy implications from, you know, from their life's work. And so when someone with impeccable credentials speaks out, you've got to say that's really interesting because he's going against his personal incentive. He's made his social life very, very difficult. Uh, so one person speaking out is worth hundreds and hundreds of not speaking out, right, because it's, you know, for those hundreds and hundreds, 
it's much easier not to speak out. It seems like it's going to take quite a lot, though, for some of the more mainstream, we'd call elite establishment media journalists to come out. So why aren't they asking questions at press conferences like, show, show me some information? Where, where's the science? Why isn't this being provided to well, the public? Well, sadly, I think a lot of journalists are kind of ideologically in favour of large government and, and government policies. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion. And I don't even know the answer, but I think that's that's probably true. Uh, but look, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic in the sense, I think if, if, you know, there is alarmism and if, if, if the, you know, the thesis of catastrophe turns out to be wrong, then the good thing is we're going to know in 10 years. Now, look, I, no. I'm not joking. 10 years is a long time, but we're going to be alive still and we're going to see, right? I mean, he lays out all of these forecasts in his book over the last 40 years, which just looks so stupid now in hindsight. Mm. You know, not just Al Gore, but very, very senior scientists saying that in 10 and 20 years, you know, there's going to be catastrophic global warming. And these are things being said in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. And they have patently not come true at all. So, I mean, it's got to, you've got to wonder, you know, when you see that pattern of gross exaggeration, why not assume that that pattern just continues? And, and I assume it has continued. And no one here is denying the planet hasn't warmed. As I said, it has. It's warmed by about one degree. But if you zoom out through the history of the world, the temperature changes a lot over long periods of time. Mm. And, of course, that's got, that's got nothing to do with humans. Um, and so, you know, why this passionate belief that the last 30 years of warming, which is about the same as we saw between 1910 and 1940, when humans were a far, far smaller uh, share of, you know, share of the world's, you know, the world's atmosphere, if you like, um, you know, why is this particular 30 years definitely 100% due to carbon dioxide emissions? You know, we just don't know. It's a theory. It mm. might be right. It might be wrong. But, you know, you know, I think intelligent people should, you know, should be told the truth, that there is doubt about this. It's not, you know, it's not a commandment. It's hard to not connect the dots here, I think, between other progressive ideological movements in the West. And, and they all seem to have a very rudimentary dare I say it, overused word, Orwellian slogans attached to them, you know, Black Lives Matter, Love is Love, mm. Save the Planet. Mm. I mean, who's going to question these things? Well, look, the left is much, much better at sloganeering than the right. It, you know, it always has been, you mm. know, it's because it's, it's what it's the slogans are, you know, they're easy and they feel right. It's all about feeling. You save the planet, save lives. You know, it, it's it's... You know, it's very appealing. It's very hard to argue against in sound bites and kind of in a world without religion, you know, I think a lot of humans, you know, kind of crave some sort of moral certainty about, you know, how to behave in their private lives, whether it's saving the planet or wearing a mask, you know, they want something. And these, you know, these theories give them that, you know, doubt and uncertainty is not very nice. You no, know, it's, it's complicated. Not. And, and uh, also, oh, oh, sorry, on the topic no, of, of, of religion is that now, you know, we're seeing that, the the priesthood essentially uh, the high priests are now the scientists because of this rejection of god within the west so people are turning to people like dr anthony fauci uh, as the high priest and this has a flow on effect down into into schools and we're seeing this by the encouragement of of school children to walk out of class and march against this slogan yeah look it's really really worrying i mean you mentioned you mentioned Fauci there, and sure, in the United States, he's kind of the apogee or the peak of the, you know, the health clerisy or the health bureaucracy, you know, the high priests of health. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it does make me sad how what they say is lapped up so readily by, you know, even by educated people, um, mm -hmm. you, you know, who don't read that 
that little bit further. And it's very easy to do on the internet. You can read a lot of other information. I mean, try as Twitter and YouTube might to delete things. There's still a hell of a lot of intelligent commentary out there and a lot of statistics that you know cast doubt on a lot of uh, the official pronouncements. But as for the school aspect you just mentioned, yes, that's you know that is very worrying. But sadly, teachers' unions uh, you know tend to have a very left-wing ideology, and and they inevitably try to push that onto students. That's that's just human nature. I mean, if you believe in something passionately, of course you're going to try to preach it. And, and that's what this comes down to. They, do, they genuinely do believe, many of them, quite passionately in this. And, and, and I would say a large percentage of them genuinely, gen, genuinely fear that the oceans are going to rise in the next couple of days. The ocean, yes, yes, that's right. I mean, you know, I think it's, I think it's worth too, just, just kind of you and I, you know, we've been around for a while at least. I mean, there's been no catastrophe in our lives in the environment. I mean, you know, this, this has been going on for ages. People saying the snow will stop, kids won't see snow. Well, there's still plenty of snow. Um, and so, so I, you know, I mean, I expect, and, you know, I'm no scientist, but I'd be very surprised if in 10 years' time there was catastrophic global warming. I imagine it will be much like it is now. And I'd even put money on that, right? Um uh, but unfortunately, there's no betting market for this. But <laughs> you can always find a bookie that'll that'll take something. That's yeah, that's exactly right. But uh, you know, a great stat from the book is that the human influence on the world's energy system is just one percent. So only one percent of the natural energy flows on the planet are due to humans. Yeah. And this one yeah. percent is supposed to be having this enormous effect, right? I mean, that's look. As I said, I'm no scientist, but. I can just see why it will be so hard to model, you know, our impact on the climate 50, 100 years into the future when, the, you know, when we are such a small component of the global energy system. Energy system. Yes, and, and just before I let you go, I mean, just to talk about the simplistic nature of some of the quote-unquote journalism that's being done here. I mean, there's a piece a couple of days ago on The Conversation which has famously placed a moratorium on on, on questioning science and there's Mark, <laughs> Mark Maslin, who is a professor of earth science system, whatever that means, has written a piece where he gives two scenarios to what could happen. One, if we don't act now urgently and the other, if we do act. Uh, and it's hard to not take this as a piece of satire. Uh, he says that if we don't act on this right now, Ocean temperatures, this is his prediction for what, what the world will be like in 2050. Mm -hmm. Ocean temperatures have risen dramatically. Australia's Great Barrier Reef has officially been declared dead. Deaths from tuberculosis, malaria, cholera and diarrhoea are at their highest in human history. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the most alarming of all, most mountain glaciers have completely melted and skiing is now a predominantly indoor sport. Wow. Well, look, I don't know how old the professor is, but uh, in 2050, I certainly hope to be around and I know he will be completely wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll be around to be judged on his prediction. Uh, but look, it is just, you know, making predictions so far into the future really is just pretty stupid. And there is no way of, you know, for people to be to be held to, you know, to be held account. It's just it's just scaring people. Uh, you know, if, if he was making a prediction in three or four years time, I'd have a lot more respect for him. So one more point too, I think, is worth making. Just say he's right, and the temperature does, you know, mm. warm by, you know, whatever he's suggesting, three, four degrees, five degrees. Well, the reality is, even if that happens, we're going to be a hell of a lot richer in the future, far richer than we are now. If you just 
even extrapolate a relatively slow grade, that's why slow growth rate for the economy, we're going to be much richer. So, you know, we can deal with the warming, you know, everyone's going to be richer, we can afford to deal with it. Uh, So it's not even, you know, the end of the world, so to speak, if the warming does occur, and it may be that it's far cheaper to deal with it and far more realistic to deal with it if it happens, rather than, you know, to go through these very drastic costs now when we're not quite sure, or at least we're only 70% sure. Um, you know, it's all very well for rich people who aren't affected by these changes to, you know, tweet and spout, you know, mm. how important it is to, you know, transition to renewable energy and so forth. But, uh, you know, we just we just don't know. I mean, I just think that we need to be a bit more cautious. So, yeah. And, yeah, I would hope that books like Steve Coonan's make some journalists, you know, think a little bit and, you know, have some doubt in their minds about whether or not in 20 years' time they're going to look stupid. Because there's a lot of because there are a lot of young journalists who will still be around and who've been spouting this for years. So you know, I'm going to be around. I'll remember. Yeah, and what they write now will be a part of their journalistic legacy. And as we know, nothing nothing disappears on the internet. So look, I mean, even if you know there is amazing warming, I'm still going to be proud of you know kind of casting doubt on the process. That's my job as a journalist, and just like. With COVID, I'm very proud of what I've been writing, but I'm casting down and criticising the authorities, which is what I'm meant to be doing. Not, you know, I'm not meant to be a propagandist for the state, no. uh, which sadly a lot of journalists seem to be. And you're doing a great job. Thanks very much, Adam, for coming on the program. Thanks, Nick. I enjoyed have, it. Have a good evening there in in Washington DC, the nation's capital. Make sure that you wear a mask. <laughs> yes, I'll try. I'll have to, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, mate. Have a good day. That's right. Thanks.